We're going to turn to the Word of God for our reading today. It is taken from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 21. Jesus presented in the temple. Luke 2, 21 to 35, found on page 1028 in the Church Bibles. Jesus presented in the temple. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise Jesus, him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Among the many things that were confused about this morning's service, things like heating not working, was the fact that until I got here this morning, I thought I was going to have the children with me as well. So if there are one or two things that are happening in the service, in the message this morning, which look more like uh, visual aids, it's because I thought we were going to have the children here. Can I have the stewards, please, to come to the front? I was going to introduce the stewards to the children because these are the first friends that we meet when we come to church. And they have a very important function. They smile at us when we come in. (laughs) They welcome us. They give us a Bible if we need one. They make sure we have a, a, a hymn sheet and a notice sheet. And if it's crowded, they will even show you to their place. Coming to church is meeting people, and the people we meet are very important. Thank you, stewards, for what we do, and uh, uh, you can go and sit down now. (laughs) This morning we're going to talk about Jesus meeting someone when he went to church. He was very young at this stage, only six weeks old but he was taken to what was then the place of worship of the Jewish people, the temple. And Mary and Joseph had some laws that they had to observe. 
and so they took him to church. We're going to look at the story that was read to us from Luke chapter 2, and perhaps it would be helpful if you had your Bible open there, because Jesus met a man called Simeon. And Simeon had a very important contribution to make to our understanding of who Jesus is and why he came. Because in praising God for the Jesus that Simeon saw, this is what he said, verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Jesus is a light to the Gentiles. Now, the actual text that I was given to speak from this morning, I'm still going to speak from it, but we're going to use that text as a kind of window to look at the story of Simeon. The text is in Isaiah chapter 49. Perhaps you'd like to turn back to that chapter just while we quote these few words. Isaiah 49, in verse 3, Isaiah says, The Lord said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. And then in verse 6, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The main point of this text, the main point of what Simeon was saying about Jesus, is that Jesus came to be a light to all the nations of the world, the Gentile nations as well as to the Jews. So we're going to look first of all at what Mary and Joseph learned from Simeon, and then later at what we can learn from Simeon. And if you were little children here, you wouldn't find those two headings difficult to grasp, would you? What Mary and Joseph learned from Simeon, and what we can learn from Simeon. You see how hard I had to work to make this really simple. Well, the first thing then that Mary and Joseph learned from Simeon is that God's salvation is Jesus himself. Look at what we read here in verse 30. My eyes have seen your salvation, God's salvation. What had he seen? He'd seen a baby. A baby he'd never seen before. A baby whose name he probably didn't know at that stage. But you see, salvation is a person. This blessed, glorious person, Jesus Christ. God rescuing people from trouble and saving them into his eternal kingdom is the work of a baby, of Jesus himself. Now, how did Simeon know that? Well, if you look at verses 25 and 26, you'll see that the Holy Spirit is mentioned three times. We are told he was waiting for the consolation of Israel the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Three references to the work of the Holy Spirit. What is the main purpose of the Holy Spirit? It is to show us Jesus. It is to reveal Jesus. Jesus, not just as a baby, but as God's Son, as the Saviour, as the salvation that comes to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's an awful lot that Simeon didn't know about Jesus. He didn't know how he was going to grow. He didn't know all that was going to happen. He didn't know all the theology that is later unfolded to us in the letters of the Apostle Paul. He didn't know all the way in which God was going to reveal his purposes in the book of Revelation. There's a great deal that Simeon didn't know. But he did know this, that salvation is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in a church. However good the people are that we may meet here, whatever we may learn by coming here. Salvation is not the Bible, precious though it is, as the unfolding of God's truth to us. It's not even in the teaching of the Bible, the doctrines it contains. You can learn a great deal about the doctrines of the Bible and not know salvation. What we need to know salvation is to see Jesus and to see that he is our hope, he is our peace, he is, as we're called here, as we're told here, the light that shines from heaven for us. So Mary and Joseph were hearing what he was saying here, and they saw that Simeon could recognize that God's salvation is Jesus himself. Secondly, that God's salvation is a prepared plan. Look at what we read here in verse 31. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. Simeon knew much of the Old Testament teaching. Now, if you've been with us over the last uh, four weeks in December, uh, we've had three previous messages from the prophet Isaiah about Jesus, God's servant, about his being Emmanuel, God with us, about his being the Prince of Peace, about his being the servant God loves. Now we see that he is the light for the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. This is the prepared plan. And here in the coming of Jesus into the temple on that day, Simeon can see that he's part of what God is doing. When the time had fully come, the Apostle Paul tells us, God sent his Son. And in the coming of Jesus, first being born at Bethlehem and now presented here before Simeon, he sees God's plan working out. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time this morning talking about the end of the year and the beginning of a new year. You'll get plenty of that in the media in the next few days. But it is comforting, isn't it, to know 
that whatever 2013 is going to bring is God's plan. God has a plan for you and for me. He has a plan for this vast universe. He has a plan for the world, mad though it may sometimes be, and the things that happen we don't understand. But God has a prepared plan. And the focus of it is in Jesus. And this is what Simeon sees. And in this new beginning, this new phase of God's plan, the focus is in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the second thing that Mary and Joseph then learn from Simeon. God's salvation is Jesus himself. God's salvation is a prepared plan. The third thing is what you find here in verse 32, that God's salvation is for everyone in the world. His salvation is for everyone in the world. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. All people, the Gentile nations, the people of Israel too. Now it's here that he's quoting the Old Testament text in Isaiah, isn't it? It's here that he's saying the promise was that the servant would be a light for the other nations as well. This was a very hard thing for the Jews in the Old Testament and for the Jews in the New Testament to grasp. The fact that God's purposes were for the other nations as well as for them. All these other nations had been the enemies of the Jewish people, Israel, through the years. They had thought about them as being the ones that God had said, destroy those who are going to be opponents of your people. And part of the promise of the coming Messiah is, is couched in these military terms of victory over the nations. But here is God saying, and here is Simeon recognising, that the child Jesus is to be a light for these other nations too, in the sight of all people. This is such an important point that if we had time we would give more emphasis to it. Just one other reference, right back at the beginning of our Bible in the book of Genesis where those promises are made to Abraham. You'll remember how that God says to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth. It's a mistake to believe that God's love for Israel was exclusive so that they could rejoice in it and enjoy it themselves alone. As they were to respond to the light of God, they were to reflect that light to others. The purpose of God's grace towards Israel is that they might be a blessing to the other nations. Regrettably, sadly, terribly, it didn't happen because so few of them, only a remnant of them, came to see the purpose that God had. 
And here is Simeon recognizing this and saying in Jesus this salvation is to come. Yes, it's going to be the glory of your people Israel, but it's going to be also a light for all the other nations of the world. That, of course, is the importance of those men of old, the Magi who came to uh, visit Jesus when he was born. There may not have been three of them. We don't know much about their background. But we do know that they were not Jews. And they come into the Christmas story, they come in to represent the fact that the salvation that God brought in Jesus was going to be for them also. And, praise God, for us also. We are here as part of this promise of the Gentiles, of those who are not Jews by birth. We are here because God has sent the salvation not to the Jews only, but to light to the Gentiles also. Praise God that Simeon saw that and we rejoice in it today. The fourth thing that Simeon told Mary and Joseph is that God's salvation is not accepted by everyone. Yes, it's sent in Jesus for everyone, but not accepted by everyone. That's the meaning of these unusual expressions you will find here in verse 33 and onwards. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. What is he saying? He's saying that Mary is going to experience terrible pain The pain as if a sword was piercing her soul. That pain she suffered when she saw Jesus being killed on the cross. When she saw the way in which there was such hatred against him. God's salvation, tragically, is the light that comes from heaven. But men love darkness rather than light. And so they sent him to the cross. It's so sad, we read, we sang a few moments ago, it's so sad that every day outrageous love is turned away and men choose death instead of life, rejecting you for an earthly prize. Let's be clear about this. The salvation of Jesus is sufficient for everyone, is offered to everyone, but is not accepted by everyone. Here's another visual aid that the children were going to see. Judy and Philip once gave a talk to some children in a church, and this is how they did it. Judy had a present like this to give to Philip, and she gave it to him. And he didn't want it. And so, 
being kind and generous as she was, she pressed him to receive it. And eventually he accepted it. But he didn't open it. And so that wasn't much good either, was it? So she again urged him at least to open it and see what it was. And what it was, it was only a tie. And so he didn't think very much of that. So she said to him, but it's a nice tie, surely you should wear it. And so he decided, well, perhaps he would put it on. And and it was really quite a nice tie. And once he tried it on, he found it was really something very nice. You see, the gift was precious when it was still packed up but only appreciated when he accepted it, received it, and thanked her for it. The precious gift of Jesus is real and true and meaningful and rich, but must be accepted, must be received. We must trust this Jesus as our Saviour. We must thank God for him. He is sufficient to save everyone in the whole world. But not everyone does. And so it's a reminder that Simeon saw that this salvation must be received in order to do good. Well, what are we going to learn then from Simeon this morning? Three little lessons. First of all, this is why there are still wars going on in the Middle East. God had a purpose for the Jews, but sadly, they haven't recognized Jesus. And sadly, they haven't been a light for the Gentiles. Most of the trouble in the Middle East at the moment, and that spread to other countries of the world, is this conflict between those who say, yes, we're the people of God, but these are our enemies. Tragically, the way in which the light can bring peace between nations is only when it's received and when Jesus himself is seen as the light that we can share with others. There are still going to be wars and there are still going to be many, many wars as long as people resist seeing Jesus as the light and their role as being a light to others. Secondly, This is why we still need missionaries today. As Judy was saying, she and Philip have given so many years of their life towards the Kassem people in Ghana so that they might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are still 2,000 languages which we haven't begun even to translate the Bible into those languages so that those people there will come to know the Lord Jesus We'll still need missionaries, don't we? We People around us in Long Crenland still need to know about Jesus. We need to have outreach. We need to have a mission task. We've already reminded ourselves as a church that we've got a very important development in our church life, in the rebuilding that we're hoping to go through during the, the 2013. But we also must see that we must continue to support our mission work. We must continue to see the outreach to the people around us because they need that light. And we are here not to enjoy the light, but
but to reflect the light, to be a light to those nations too. We still need missionaries. The third lesson, the third lesson is, this is why we can die in peace today. Please look at verse 29. God had said something to Simeon. It had been revealed to him, verse 26, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now he sees Jesus and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. I can die in peace today, he said, because I've seen Jesus. He didn't understand the theology of the atonement. He didn't understand the doctrine of baptism. There were so many things he didn't know, but he knew Jesus is the salvation. And he said, now I can die in peace. My friends, we don't know what 2013 is going to mean. We don't know which of us who is here today may not be here on the last Sunday of next year. And it's not just for old people. Children die too. We had that terrible story just before Christmas of those dear children in America gunned down at school. On Christmas Day, my wife and I were driving up the M6 going towards our daughter's home in Manchester. We had to leave the motorway at junction 14 because at junction 15, two little boys from High Wycombe had been killed with their aunt in a motorway crash. Death is not just for grown-ups. It's for all of us. And here is the message Simeon gives to us. I can die in peace today because I know Jesus is God's salvation and it's the light of heaven for me today and on my dying day too. What a blessing. What a message. What a comfort, what a bright hope to go away with this morning. Amen.